Welcome, everyone, to the PFF Fantasy Podcast Weekly Preview Edition. I am your host, John Macri, fantasy analyst here at PFF. And back to join me once again, Kate, the great Majuk. Kate, how are you as we head into week 11 here? I'm good. I'm I'm ready to talk some more football. We finally have some of our main fantasy assets back. We've got, like, the Chiefs back. We've yeah. got the Eagles back, the Dolphins. Uh, Devin A. Chain might be returning this yes. week. Like, we're in a good spot for fantasy this week. Uh, I, I I'm feeling good. I'm feeling excited and I'm wired and we've got even a, a solid Thursday night football matchup to talk about. So I'm pretty, pretty amped this week. How about yourself? Yeah. Feeling pretty good about this week's slate of game. There should be some fun ones. we got some nice divisional matchups. Like you said, the Thursday night game, finally something good there. And uh, Monday night should be really fun as well. So uh, I'll be yeah excited to get into this here. And um, like we always do, we're, we're going to go game by game. We'll hit on our key players and, and matchups and, and lineup decisions as we go. Um, no Atlanta, no Indianapolis, no New England, no New Orleans this week. So we got 14 games to go through. Uh, we're going to get into it here. But before we do, I do have to give a quick shout out to our presenting sponsor, Fabric by Gerber Life. Fall is all about the back to school and back to routine checklist. And the most important task on that list should be securing your family's financial future, starting with life insurance. Fabric by Gerber Life makes it quick, easy, and affordable to protect your family so you can get back to enjoying life. Fabric was designed by parents for parents to help you get a high quality, surprisingly affordable term life insurance policy in less than 10 minutes. Fabric has flexible policies that fit your family and your budget with quality policies like a million dollars in coverage for less than a dollar a day. Get your personalized quote in just minutes and then apply when it's convenient for you. It's all online and on your schedule. You could go from start to covered in less than 10 minutes with no health exam required. Join the thousands of parents who trust Fabric to protect their family. Apply today in just minutes at meetfabric.com slash fantasy. That's meetfabric.com slash fantasy. M-E-E-T fabric.com slash fantasy. Policies issued by Western Southern Life Assurance Company. Not available in certain states. Prices subject to underwriting and health questions. All right, Kate, let's get it going here and start with, again, like you said, one of our best Thursday night football matchups, at least on paper. Um, Which means it's going to be absolutely oh, disgusting, by the way. It's so sad if it sucks. Uh, because, yeah, it, it feels like a very long time since we had had a nice matchup like this. Cincinnati Bengals at the Baltimore Ravens. Um, I'll let you kick us off. Where do you want to start uh, with this game? Let's talk about the Bengals offense, who's like kind of in an interesting position, right? Because the Bengals are finally sort of getting back on track offensively. Joe Burrow looking healthy, obviously couldn't pull through the win last week without wide receiver T Higgins again this week. So like, I mean, you're starting Joe Burrow, but the Ravens allowing the fewest fantasy points to opposing quarterbacks this year. Um, you're starting Jamar Chase, but the Ravens are allowing the, uh, you know, what fifth fewest fantasy points per game to the wide receiver position um, outside of these two guys, like you're, you're starting, you know, Joe Mixon, but that's yeah. not a great matchup either. You're starting these guys, but I think the biggest question people are going to have about this Bengals offense is with the absence of T Higgins. Is there anybody else that we can thrust into our lineups or is this a no-go situation given the fact that this is a Ravens defense that won't allow much of anything up against this team? Yeah, I, I have like um like 
traumatic stress from watching um, the Bengals against the Ravens, like for, for fantasy purposes, it keeps like hurting me in like crucial matchups. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm avoiding these guys for the most part, like Tyler Boyd lining up, obviously in the slot going up against Kyle Hamilton this week. I know Nick Botiford wrote about him in the wide receiver cornerback matchup in, in players to avoid this week. So I don't love um, Tyler Boyd this week. Hamilton has a 77.2 coverage grade. He's been really good. Um, and he has been playing in the slot as of more as of lately. And then, yeah, Trenton Irwin was the other option. He, you know, he got the touchdown last week as well. But uh, Baltimore, again, they're one of those man-heavy defenses. Irwin really hasn't delivered at all against man coverage this year. Um, 0.13 fantasy points per route run against man, which is 97th. Then a 53.7 receiving grade versus man isn't overly encouraging either. So, I think I'm with you. I think it's it's Jamar Chase, it's Joe Burrow and, and Joe Mixon. And then you just got to hope that these guys are able to deliver. But it's going to be, I think, a difficult matchup here against Baltimore. Yeah, it, the Bengals or the Bengals defense, uh, you know, in in on, on the other side of the ball, not the shabbiest of matchups for the Baltimore Ravens. So, like, you know, we've seen uh, some flux for for quarterback Lamar Jackson mm-hmm. um, had a few down weeks. Now, is this the week where he bounces back? The Bengals are allowing the 12th most fantasy points to quarterbacks. I like Lamar Jackson. I think this could be yeah. a tighter game. That's uh, maybe not going to lend itself quite as much to the run. Um, the The Bengals are allowing uh, this uh, a league high 16% explosive pass percentage uh, could be an interesting spot for say flowers, uh, along the fourth most fantasy points to tight ends this season. Hello, Mark Andrews. Like again, I don't know that there are a ton of questions here regarding the the Ravens' offense, except maybe what to make uh, of this run game because it's been kind of a hodgepodge. You've got Keaton Mitchell with the breakout, uh, the rookie, and then you've got Gus Edwards. You got a little bit of Justin Hill, Justice Hill. Uh, where do your face lie? What's your confidence level? And uh, I think Keaton Mitchell probably in particular is is the most questionable for me headed into this matchup. Yeah, Keaton Mitchell, I'm still not quite there yet, like to plug him into lineups where I have other options, right? Like deeper leagues, you're putting him in, you're, you've been happy with what he's doing, but like 22% snap share last week, which was up from, I guess, 17% the, the week before. But again, like just 15% of the rush attempts. There's no goal line work there. He did break off a long touchdown. If those snaps don't like increase, which I feel like I, I'd feel better just kind of waiting to see those snaps increase than kind of hoping that he breaks off another big score, like big run here for a score. And so I, I'm Keith Mitchell, even Gus Edwards, like these guys are more like, RB three for me. So those kinds of leagues where, where you do have to start three running backs or you got limited options in your flex spot. Like that's where I feel better about this Ravens backfield, probably slightly feel like I feel a bit better about Gus Edwards, just because he is getting that goal line work. And that's kind of what hurt, what's hurt Lamar Jackson a little bit too. He hasn't been getting the, the, the touchdowns as much over the last three weeks or so, but yeah, I, I'm not like I'm not ready to jump in on on Keaton Mitchell just yet. We said it last week too, and of course he, you know, he broke off a, a nice touchdown there. But I'm not banking on that every week unless those snaps kind of um, come up a bit for him. Yeah, that'll be sort of the interesting thing. We saw uh, John Harbaugh come out and say, uh, you know, like he he likes Keaton Mitchell. It sounds like they might want to get him a little bit more in the offense. It didn't necessarily translate to. Uh, many more touches last week. It didn't necessarily translate yeah. to 
uh, a significant increase in snaps. Like there, there was no telling on the field that this is his role to be taken. Gus Edwards, you know, saw a, a bounce back in his workload. You know, I'm, I'm trusting Gus Edwards the most out of these three, but Keaton Mitchell, given the explosive play uh, ability and the, the Bengals have been a matchup that um, have allowed some explosive runs so far this season, I think there could be a little bit of wiggle room, but definitely going to be one of those volatile assets. I think that's about it for this Thursday yeah. night matchup, though. It's <laughs> going to be a juicy one. I think it's kind of a tenuous one, like outside of the the main guys, there's not a whole lot to like about the, the secondary and tertiary assets in this game. Yeah, no, I'm a hundred percent with you. I think those are kind of the, the main decisions that we, we have to make this week. And, and yeah, other than that, I, we're pretty much avoiding the rest of the groups, like you said. Um, so yeah, let's move on to, uh, the, the Sunday slate of games and we don't have any more London or Germany games. We are officially done with the international games. So kicking off the 1 PM slate, it is the Dallas Cowboys and the Carolina Panthers. And, Let's start with Tony Pollard, um, who hasn't scored a touchdown since week one. Uh, had a great matchup to do it last week against the Giants. Uh, he had his opportunities, wasn't able to get in there. Has another great matchup to do it again this week against the Panthers. So, Kate, what is your confidence level on Pollard getting in the end zone this week uh, and ending this awful, awful trip? So, like, I'm generally kind of concerned about Tony Pollard. I, I kind of, back several weeks ago, I was lukewarm, if you will. And I think after week 10 is this moment where I'm just watching Tony Pollard and I'm thinking he does not look like the same explosive running back that we saw. And I pulled up a lot of data. I, I highlighted this in um, the my panic or anti, panic or antic column uh, earlier this week. But when you look at the metrics for Tony Pollard, just it, an overall like explosive play percentage, um, even speed, like, it, you know, overall efficiency, explosive run rate, yards after contact per attempt, uh, touches per touchdown scored, of course, um, you know, like everything tells you that Tony Pollard's not as explosive as he has been throughout his career on average. So, Generally speaking, I'm, I'm, I don't know. I'm, I'm not feeling great. <laughs> Rico Daddle like has actually looked kind of solid. He's one of my favorite, like what the heck flex plays this week. <laughs> um, you know, coming off a season high 12 carries in week 10, um, you know, he's, he's outplayed Pollard in pretty much every efficiency metric, uh, has a 74.5 PFF rushing grade that leads all of the Dallas Cowboys running backs. Um, I would not be surprised if in this matchup they get Dowdle some more touches with how he good last week. He got the he got the rushing touchdown in week 10, um, which I'll remind you was just one fewer rushing touchdown than Tony yeah. Pollard on the year. So I'm a little bit I'm lukewarm and I'm I'm warming up to Mr. Dowdle. Yeah, th th this is devastating news for me, <laughs> but it, it, it's all there, right? Like this is what it's been this season. So I, I, I understand it for sure. I mean, this is, yeah, Dowdle's, he's looked good and it feels like, yeah, Dowdle is this year's Tony Pollard and Tony Pollard is this year's <laughs> Zeke or something. Ooh, uh, that, it's. <laughs> I mean, I will say if there is any matchup in which you're going to get the Tony Pollard rushing touchdown, I know we probably said the same exact thing last week against the Giants. Yeah. Uh, but since week five, the Carolina Panthers have allowed a league high 27.22 fantasy points per game. 
uh, also allowing a league high 1.4 rushing touchdowns to the the running back position per game. Like if he's not doing it this week, he's not doing it. And we got ourselves like Houston. We have a problem. Dallas, we have a problem. It's it's a big problem. And yeah, I, I'm with you. If it doesn't happen this week, then I'm giving up all hope that it's ever going to happen because this is a great matchup to do it. Carolina giving up the second most points to running backs. You laid out the numbers there as well as far as giving up rushing touchdowns. So there's hope for me. My, my heart tells me that he's going to be able to do it. He's going to come through. He's not going to let me down again. But uh, yeah, I'm ready to get hurt one last time. I think this is it um, in, in a great matchup. But don't feel great about it, like you said. And yeah, maybe it could be Rico Dattles' um, time to get in the end zone again this week. But other than that, I mean, the Dallas offense, CeeDee Lamb, we know we're putting him in lineups. Jake Ferguson, I, how do you feel about Jake Ferguson um, this week at, at tight end? Do you are you starting him? He's been, I think, tight end five over the last three weeks. Um, He's been absolutely freaking incredible. Now, I will yeah. say this is not a matchup I necessarily love. Um, and that, I think, comes for, for a couple of reasons, right? So because the, the Panthers have been so bad against the run, they've seen a pretty, generally speaking, a low passing volume, a uh, league low 52% pass percentage against the Carolina Panthers defense. And again, that's because they're, they're a team that teams are running against, uh, you yeah. know, they're not necessarily in a position where they're forced to pass the ball. Uh, you know, they're, this has been a, a team that can, uh, you know, the you're, you're looking to run the clock out, right? Like you, you basically, you get the big lead uh, to start the game and then you run the clock out the rest of the, like it, it, this just isn't a great matchup for, for passing offenses in general, mm-hmm. because they don't need to. Why? Yeah. I put yourself in that position. So that doesn't necessarily favor Jake Ferguson. And generally speaking, like the Panthers, they haven't faced a ton of great tight ends, but they've faced a couple, uh, you know, Sam Laporta week five had two uh, receiving touchdowns, but mm-hmm. there hasn't been a single tight end this season to have more than 50 receiving yards. They've, you know, played TJ Hawkins and they played a couple of good tight ends, right? right. Um, they've, they played Travis Kelsey. Like there's been, or uh, they, yeah, they paid TJ Hawkinson. Sorry, I'm all over the place. Uh, but they're like, they, they just haven't given up a ton. Even Sam Laporte, he had those two receiving touchdowns, still didn't crack that 50 receiving yard mm-hmm. mark. Um, I'm just not loving this matchup in general. And I, I think you love the, the red zone usage, probably going to be hard to sit Jake Ferguson unless you have one of these elite options, but hard to see a ton of upside here for this entire passing offense in general. Yeah, I'm with you there. I think, yeah, like you said, Jake Ferguson starting, but on the lower end of the that kind of tight end one um, range. And I, I think I'm I'm with you 100 percent there for sure. And then, yeah, I'm not as interested in the rest of the the Dallas receiving options. I mean, Dak has been great lately too. So I, I feel like most for the most part, you're probably starting him. But Brandon Cooks, Michael Gallup, Jalen Tolbert, all those guys, no interest there um, for me at no. least. No, yeah. definitely not. Brandon Cooks, I know he's coming off a, a really fantastic outing in week 10. Mm-hmm. Um, t- nine receptions, 173 receiving yards and a score. But even that, like he actually played a season low 53% of offensive snaps. Yeah. I don't I, I don't love that. It feels very fluky to me. And, and that was the second game all season where he's seen more than four targets in a single game not counting on that kind of volume, especially again, considering this hasn't been a situation where, where 
folks need to pass. So uh, since they don't need to pass, I'll pass. <laughs> I like it. Um, how about on the Carolina side of things? I mean, the no. main star here is is Adam Thielen. Do you have he's you? I know you wrote about him in um, Panic or Antic as well this past week. He's been down lately. Any faith in Adam Thielen against this Cowboys uh, defense? I I think Adam Thielen, generally speaking, going to be fine, right? Like yeah. he he's been unproductive over the past three weeks since the the buy. Wide receiver 24, wide receiver 43, wide receiver 35. Um, this isn't the matchup, though, that I'm like looking to target mm-hmm. the the Cowboys. There is one threat on this team right now, and it's Adam Thielen. And this is a really good defense. And I don't I don't trust uh, that Bryce Young and Adam Thielen are going to be able to overcome this matchup. I'm entirely fading this whole Panthers offense. Oh, yeah. uh, Chuba Hubbard, if you're in a pinch, sure. But even Chuba Hubbard, who I I've generally been favorable in, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, getting him into my lineups as a flex, not this week, my friend. Yeah, I'm with you. And yeah, it was it was a bit frustrating to see Chuba Hubbard's kind of usage dip as well last week with Miles um, Sanders and even Raheem Blackshear working in there as well. So he's not in starting lineups for me either. And yeah, Adam Thielen, look, I mean, the Cowboys have been amazing. They've been great against uh, fantasy wide receivers. So it, it makes him very tough to start. The one thing for Thielen is that he has performed best against man coverage. So this will be a really good test, I think, because uh, he's been amazing against man coverage, but Dallas has been one of the best teams when playing man coverage. So it, it kind of evens out there in the wash. And, and I, I'm with you. I think Thielen is the one player, if you're the Dallas defense, to kind of focus on. That makes him kind of low-end wide receiver, too, I think, at best um, this week. Yeah, it full PPR formats especially. You're still going to start mm-hmm. him. He's still getting the target volume, et cetera, but... Just not a bet, not a great matchup, not a a matchup I'm excited for, nor want to target, especially in like fan, uh, you know, daily fantasy, um, you know, prize picks, anything like that. Yeah, I'm with you. Um, all right, let's go to an AFC South battle here. It is the Tennessee Titans against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, and let's start with the Jaguars side of things because this offense, outside of Travis Etienne, has been kind of frustrating. Um, we talked about Trevor Lawrence last week and and not liking him in that game. Uh, turns out we were definitely right about that when he was QB 29 last week, still not loving him as like a top 12 option this week. Same goes with Calvin Ridley, who I don't think we can really trust right now either. I mean, the Titans have been pretty good matchup for wide receivers, but Again, continue to like Christian Kirk more than than Calvin Ridley uh, again this week, and um, I don't know I, any any faith I guess at all in Calvin Ridley. He's he's had over ninety percent route participation in pretty much every game. Target rate is kind of all over the place, and that's been the problem. And, and Trevor Lawrence not delivering catchable passes to him, and he's struggled as well. So I think that that's kind of where a lot of this you know um, un under production comes from for, for Calvin Ridley. So where are you at with that, uh, with these Jaguars wide receivers this week? Ice cold, ice cold. Ice cold. I, I think you'd go with C- Christian Kirk um, been, you know, kind of the one, I think stable force on that offense. We talked about Evan Ingram too, a- ahead of last week that didn't pan out. It Christian Kirk really is kind of the, 
the every down guy in this offense. Mm -hmm. And outside of that, there's a, a massive rotation that's been hugely unreliable. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm rolling with Christian Kirk. I, I think at this point you consider Calvin Ridley, a wide receiver three flex mm -hmm. play type guy. And if he outperforms that great, but you're not, you know, plugging and playing Christian Kirk on an every week basis, the way that you are Christian Kirk. Yeah. And, and look, even if Calvin Ridley does have that big blow up game, I've seen enough this season that I don't know that I'm necessarily trusting it to happen again the, the following re week, right? I want to see more consistency with Calvin Ridley because we've seen these ups and downs basically all throughout the season. And it's been mostly down, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, anybody else on this Jaguars offense for you that's uh, worth talking about? I mean, I, no. I, no, you're right? playing Travis Etienne. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think at this point in the season, we have had, it, it's not just uh, week 10 that we saw, you know, down performance from Trevor Lawrence. It's been all season. We have not yep. seen that man it hit a ceiling. He's yet to to finish as a top 15 quarterback in a week. I think that's, uh, that's where we're at with Trevor Lawrence. Like he's probably better left on your waiver wire as much as it kills me to say about the guy who's throwing passes to Calvin Ridley, Christian Kirk, um, you know, Travis Etienne and Evan Ingram, like it might be time to move on folks. Yeah. There, there's other guys that have step, stepped up, right. That we can trust instead. CJ Stroud and Sam Howell have been awesome and, and definitely would rather be playing those guys um, in, in this week uh, than, than I would be Trevor Lawrence. So um, yeah, I, th I think that is pretty much it for this Jacksonville offense. How about on the Tennessee side of things? So again, another pretty straightforward um, offense here because it feels like it's DeAndre Hopkins and Derrick Henry, and that is pretty much it, at least for me. I, I mean, does anybody stand out for you as, as like a deeper play this week? I got burned big time with, with Will Levis last week. I'm uh, not falling trap uh, the, again at this point. <laughs> Um, I'll, I'll wait and see and get involved as a rusher. didn't take advantage of, you know, some of those injuries in the Bucks secondary. So given that circumstance, like I, I think the Jaguars have a, a better, you know, secondary than the Bucks at this point in the season, not going to test Will Levis, uh, again, against this team. It's, um, you know, Derek Henry, like you said, Deandre Hopkins or bust. And, you know, if, now that I've said that, of course, Will Levis, uh, big fan of the show, I hear. He's going to hear this, and he's going to go throw for uh, another four touchdowns, which I'll be happy to see it. As long as he throws them all to DeAndre Hopkins, maybe sprinkle yes. one in there for Chico Conquo as well, just because that man needs some help. Um, and <laughs> as somebody that has to start Chico Conquo this week, because I have Kyle Ouch. Pitts and Hunter Henry on a bye in a deep league, um, I could really use it. But yeah, Oconquo too had a big drop off in, in route participation last week. I think he dropped like 56% when it was up over 70% three weeks prior. So not great there for Oconquo. Um, yeah, I, I think it really is just DeAndre Hopkins and <laughs> Derek Henry and you know, Taji Spears and like deep PPR leagues, you can hope for something, but not a great matchup for, for running backs either. So man, I have a pretty easy game, I think to, to, to try to figure out there. So yeah. uh, let's move to an NFC East matchup here now between the uh, New York giants and the Washington commanders. Um, Kate, when it comes to the giants, again, we did this last week, keeping it short because there has been next to no fantasy production from this offense. So, once again, any Giants offensive players that you're trusting in your lineup this week? 
You're telling me you're not high on the Giants offense with Tommy DeVito, <laughs> like Mr. I know, Italiano. Yeah. <laughs> I would trust him to make pasta. I would not trust him to, I don't even know if I should, I would trust his mother to make pasta. I, I would not trust mom, him yeah. to, to generate fantasy production for my squad. Yep. You still start Saquon Barkley. Cause like, what else are you going to do? But outside of that, absolutely. No. No. Yeah. It's a, better matchup for Saquon Barkley than it was last week when he finished as what, like RB 38, I think in PPR. So it was devastating for him, but I, I think I'm with you. I think you do kind of have to put him in here and hope that, you know, it's not a blowout or anything like that where Barkley gets pulled again too. And just hope that there's some dump off passes for him to, to kind of take advantage of in those PPR leagues. But ugh, it is a pretty gross offense right now for the Giants as they uh, hopefully are looking for the number one overall pick uh, in the draft. But on the Washington side of things, a little bit more of an interesting offense here because uh, we got Terry McLaurin, we got Jahan Dotson, Brian Robinson has been awesome. Sam Howell's been great. Logan Thomas has had his moments. So um, let's start with the wide receivers, I guess. And uh, basically, I mean, the Giants too, like their their defense has been pretty bad, I guess, for, for wide receivers. They're giving up the third most fantasy points to wide receivers. They're, they're another one of these teams that plays man coverage at a very high rate, but they're not great at it. They're bottom 10 man coverage defense and yards allowed per reception, yards allowed per coverage snap, explosive play rate allowed. Um, the only thing, so the Washington wide receivers have kind of struggled against man coverage this year, but I like that. I still like them a, a little bit in this matchup. I think it's a nice matchup for them to kind of get back on track as far as, you know, facing man coverage goes. They've had some down weeks, Terry McLaurin, um, but I, I still like Terry McLaurin this week. How do you feel about um, Washington's wide receivers? I'm feeling good. I know it's going to really sting, um, you know, getting some of these guys back in your lineups like Jahan Dotson uh, posted a big goose egg in week 10 mm -hmm. up against the Seahawks. Um, you know, I, I think that this is a fine spot to kind of get back on track. Um, the Giants have been a, a favorable matchup uh, towards opposing wide receivers at this point in the season. You know, I, I think in general, we still kind of know what we're we're doing with this team. We saw some uh, I think Brian Robinson, the overall RB one last week. Now, um Antonio Gibson, uh, I believe is listed with a toe injury on the mm. most in, uh, recent injury report. Um, okay. so that might be something to monitor here. Uh, just moving forward, it, considering, you know, toe injuries, not great, it, you know, to have that sort of explosive element in your game and, and you know, really play at your feet when you're, you're making these cuts, got to have your toesies. And if Gibson it can't go, we might see, I don't know, maybe a, another big outing here for Brian Robinson against a team that I don't think they're necessarily going to have to pass a ton on unless yeah. things get really out of hand in a way we don't expect. Yeah, that will be a good one to monitor because I, I don't think Gibson's missed a game this year, so we haven't really seen what that usage has been, but I'm, I'm with you. I think it makes sense that they would kind of lean on Brian Robinson a little bit more this week and yeah, having another big week, it would not be out of the realm of possibility. So um, I'm with you. I think, yeah, the main starters, obviously Brian Robinson and Terry McLaurin and then yeah, Dotson deep leaks. Um, but, uh, and then we still, I still like Sam Howell 
um, this week inside that uh, QB one range because he's just been so good and they they pass a ton. So I like that, um, but might not have to this week. So on the lower end of ranges there. Um, other than that, let's go to our first ad break of the uh, the day. It is our friends at Prize Picks. So Kate, we got a couple picks here. So I talked about this one on. I guess it was Tuesday and it's kind of my like on tilt slash going with my heart, um, hoping that it happens um, pick. And that is Tony Pollard over 0.5 touchdowns. Doesn't have to be rushing necessarily could be receiving. He could even pass for one, Um, whichever happens. He has to get in the end zone this week's. I called it a do or die on Tuesday. Nate said he tried to talk me off the ledge, said it's not do or die, but I don't know. I, I, I'm feeling pretty down about Tony Pollard lately. So I am putting a hopeful bet on uh, Tony Pollard to go over 0.5 touchdowns Um, this week. Panthers have allowed 15 rushing touchdowns on the year tied for the second most. They've given up second most points to fantasy running backs. Um, Third worst run defense grade in the league as far as the the team grades go. Um, So yeah, like you said, if not now, then he may never score again. So uh, it is do or die for me uh, for Tony Pollard this week. This week. I, I, I like it. Like I said, if it doesn't happen this week, it's not going to. So like yeah. this is your your one time to pull the trigger. I'm rolling with Dalton Kincaid, Buffalo Bills tight end, over 50 and a half receiving yards. He's hit that mark for the last four weeks. Uh, and you know, we we don't have Dalton Kincaid back in the mix just yet. The Jack or the the Jets, they've been kind of a, a challenging matchup for these wide receivers, but the one soft spot they've had is up against this tight end. I think they're gonna continue to feed the rookie. Um, and I I love that line here at 50 and a half. Perfect. That's great. So yeah, we'll hope that those hit. Um, and yeah, like with prize picks, the basketball season is here as well. So you can now pick combo projections across football and basketball from the specials league. It's a league created specifically for combo projections that includes two or more players from different sports or leagues. So for example, LeBron James plus Travis Kelsey at a 10.5 combo of three points made plus receptions. Um, go to prizepicks.com slash PFF fantasy. Use code PFF fantasy for a first deposit match up to $100. Again, that's prizepicks.com slash PFF fantasy and use code PFF fantasy for a first deposit match up to $100. All right. NFC North matchup is next between the Chicago Bears and the Detroit Lions and the return of Justin Fields for Chicago and maybe Khalil Herbert. Um, so Kate, if Khalil Herbert plays for Chicago, how would you feel about playing anyone from this Chicago backfield in week 11? Probably still lean towards Deontay Foreman. If I have to start somebody, um, right now I'm not looking to get Khalil Herbert back in the mix, just right off the gate, seeing the amount of efficiency that we've had from Deontay Foreman, like, I, I think this is an opportunity for this this team to just kind of take it slow, right? And, and see, get a temperature check, see how Khalil Herbert kind of responds, how he's feeling with that hamstring um, and not get too aggressive right out of the gate. Uh, that, you know, I, I'm not not looking to dabble in my Khalil Herbert chairs just yet, but yeah, yeah I'll, I'll roll with Deontay Foreman, just knowing that like, expectations are going to be a bit lower uh, in Mm -hmm. this week, just given the fact that we don't know how this usage is going to shake up, right? Like just, uh, you know, towards the beginning of the year, we saw Deontay Foreman uh, benched. He was a healthy scratch uh, in favor of, you know, Rosha or in favor of Roshan in favor of Khalil Herbert. Um, Now I would not be surprised just given the usage. If we saw, you know, Roshan 
be a potential inactive. Uh, we've seen Darrington Evans be involved. Like it's a hodgepodge, but I do think right now it, you know, the, the steam seems to be in favor of Foreman. Yeah. I, I I'm with you there for sure. I would not be trusting Khalil Herbert this week. I think he, like you said, could be eased back in action. Definitely pushes Roshan Johnson out of playable territory for me as well. But um, like I said, Justin Fields coming back as well. So Kate, I know you wrote about DJ Moore too in the, the panic or antic articles. So with Justin Fields back under center, how are you feeling about uh, DJ Moore this week? It's full go. Like it, that it is what it is. I don't think they would, uh, this team would have him back in the mix if he couldn't grip and throw a football properly. Um, you know, they've been pretty cautious to this point and really like the bulk of DJ Moore's down production has come on the back of Tyson Badgen. I, I think as long as you have Justin Fields in the lineup, I think you can assume he's healthy. And if that's the case, then yeah, you, you go back to the well, cause that was a very fruitful connection that we had yeah. uh, to start the season. It, and it was just heating up before we lost uh, Justin Fields to injury. I think you start DJ Moore, you start Justin Fields, you start Cole Komet, uh, even if you're you're in need of a, a tight end in a, a you know a, a given matchup. But I mean that that's kind of your entire Chicago Bears offense, right? Yeah, that that those are the three uh, for me as well. And yeah, I'm I'm hopeful that DJ Moore gets back on track this week as well. That catchable target rate uh, for DJ Moore was below seventy percent in each of the past three weeks with Tyson Badgen at quarterback, and that only happened once with Justin Fields at quarterback. So should be a, a much better day for DJ Moore um, with the Lions also giving up the tenth most points to wide receivers. So not a bad matchup for him to to, to try to take advantage of. For sure. Um, and then on the Lions side of things, I mean, we saw Jameer Gibbs and David Montgomery be uh, really strong fantasy producers this past week. Uh, we saw Gibbs getting some more goal line work as well, which was great, but it didn't completely take away the goal line work from David Montgomery. He was still involved there. So you feel pretty good about starting both of these running backs here, Kate? I'm actually, I'm not loving this matchup. And I will okay. say I'm a little bit more panicked about David Montgomery than maybe Maybe most would be at this point. I know like we, we saw a, a fairly even work split. We saw David Montgomery got just two fewer carries than the Jameer Gibbs on the day, um, had a 70 yard or 75 yard rushing touchdown, which yeah. you'd love to see. <laughs> you can't bank on those every single week. Like that is not an every week occurrence. Um, and, and I do think that this shift toward Jameer Gibbs in the red zone, like keep in mind prior to the injury, uh, for Montgomery in week six, he was handling uh, almost 75% of the red zone rushing attempts, almost 73%, uh, exactly 73% of the carries inside the goal line. And all of a sudden week 10 comes around Gibbs, like the lightning's out of the bottle, right? Mm -hmm. And uh, Gibbs totaled five red zone carries three in, uh, inside the five yard line. Montgomery saw four, two inside the, the five yard line. So the split is rapidly closing and with the assumption that Montgomery isn't going to break off 75 yard runs every week. I'm a little nervous. This isn't necessarily a, a great matchup either. Like uh, again, sort of maybe on paper looks like a better matchup than it is. Like this bears defense has been absolutely suffocating in recent weeks. And, and I don't know that there's going to be a ton of upside for this rushing game this week. And 
I don't know. I'm, I'm, I might be one of the only people in the world who isn't excited coming off of David Montgomery's, I think it was 17 fantasy points last week. And I'm, I'm still tapping at best when it comes to the backfield. I'm, I'm with you. I, I mean, look, the, the 75 year touchdown, like you said, those, those aren't stable um, things to, to kind they of don't grow on trees. Week week. No, they do not. And um, that it's definitely, it definitely bodes well for Jameer Gibbs though. Right. Like he is kind of a, pretty much locked in top 10 running back. I feel like at this point, because of his usage growing, like you said, and yeah, we'll see how things kind of shake out here in the next week or two with David Montgomery um, now back from, from injury and, and how he kind of works in. But yeah, if that, if Gibbs continues the takeover there, then that, that is a huge, huge advantage for him and, and a big hit to Montgomery as well. So um, yeah, something to watch for sure. I like what you said there. And uh yeah, other than that, I mean, the wide receivers, Amon Ross St. Brown obviously is starting, but I kind of like Josh Reynolds as a, like a deeper play this week. He, he, he's been fine every once in a while. And, and this could be one of those games for me um, where I might feel okay plugging him into like a deeper lineup. Um, favorable matchup, at least as far as the, our man's own coverage report goes, he's um, he leads, he actually leads the lions wide receivers with 0.43 fantasy points uh, per route run against man coverage. It's not like a high number, but definitely uh, tops on the lions right now. The bears have played a league average rate of both man and zone, but they are uh, second worst or seventh worst in the league as far as defensive success rate in both man and zone. So um, they've also given up a first down or a touchdown on 48.6% of man coverage snaps, which is the second worst mark. So, Josh Reynolds, deeper league play for me just because of his success against man. And I say success lightly, and this is really one of those like wide receiver four type plays. I know there's plenty of larger league sizes out there. So somebody to kind of consider um, for, for those league types. Yeah, I think that's a fair move. And if you're not bold enough to to roll with Reynolds in a season long league, uh, his prize picks projections this week, uh, just at 31 and a half receiving yards. Like, okay. That's palatable. That's definitely palatable. Yeah. 31 and a half. I don't mind actually. Uh, I'm, yeah, Mash I the like more. There you go. <laughs> uh, but anybody else on, on Detroit, we, we like Sam Laporta this week. I assume oh, you like Sam Laporta each and every week and, yeah, yeah. and you let nobody tell you otherwise you, you roll with Sam Laporta, <laughs> Amonra St. Brown, Jared Goff. Like we know what the offense is. Um, like I said, the, the only guy that is kind of like, you know, a guy you're starting in fantasy leagues that I'm tempering expectations for this week. Um, you know, definitely David Montgomery, definitely, you know, expecting a relatively quieter week for Jameer Gibbs. But I mean, both of these guys have shown the, the ability to, to break off some long runs and, Mm -hmm. and be explosive in their own regard. So you can never count them out, but again, just kind of Mm -hmm. tempering expectations with the knowledge that this has been a matchup that you can target through the air. So like why you you might not necessarily try to force the run as much knowing that the bears have been kind of heating up in in their rushing defense uh, in the second half of the season. Yeah. Yeah. They've been surprisingly good lately. And we've we've talked about that before. So um, yeah, something to keep an eye on there, but let's go on to uh, more divisional matchups. And this one is from the AFC North. It is Kate's Pittsburgh Steelers going uh, against the Cleveland Browns. 
No Deshaun Watson for the rest of the season. Um, so Dorian Thompson Robinson going to start at quarterback. And Kate, okay, let's start with the Browns this time. Um, they look great in the second half last week against Baltimore to get the win. But what do you think about this offense with DTR at quarterback? Anyone you're particularly interested in for Cleveland going against Pittsburgh? Not really, honestly. Like I, I know you, you start, you know, you're Amari Cooper. Um, you start your Jerome board, maybe, I, you know, I, I know that hunt has been on a bit of a tear when it comes to rushing touchdowns, but even hunt, I'm a little, little ambivalent about, um, mm-hmm. you know, I think you, you kind of start the guys that, you know, are going to get lots of targets. We did see, uh, with DTR in his first go around week four, uh, uh, David and Joku led the, the team in targets for him. So I think, uh, definitely a fine volume based play, but defensively uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers been pretty solid against opposing tight ends. So even then not necessarily expecting a ton of upside here in this matchup uh, for anybody in the Browns, you're starting who you're starting and then you're saying a prayer. <laughs> yeah. I'm with you. I, I get the feeling that this is going to be one of those games where the Browns might really focus on trying to run the ball they already do that quite a bit but um with dorian thompson robinson at quarterback i feel like this could be one of those really run heavy uh approaches for cleveland so jerome ford definitely somebody that i'd be interested in it makes me a little bit worried about amari cooper um so i i don't love him this week even though i think most leagues are probably still starting him, but uh, I think you're starting him just, you know, yeah. based on, on the ups, like he is really good, like hashtag good. really good he at football, good. <laughs> but like, yeah. it, you know, I could envision Joey Porter playing a, a decent amount of coverage on him. Joey Porter has been incredible this year. Yeah. Um, really kind of limiting some of that upside we saw for opposing wide receivers that we saw early in the year. So again, just kind of tempering expectations, even though you're probably, you're probably not going to be in a position uh, where you have, uh, you know, the luxury of sitting Amari Cooper, maybe Jerome Ford, uh, but, you know, David Njoku, I I think from a volume standpoint, you start him, but I don't think you're going to be excited about any of these guys unless they happen to score a touchdown. Yeah, I, I think that's that definitely the right way to look at it here. I think we could yeah, see a lot of run game, a lot of like quick game as well, um, wide receiver screens and, and and that sort here to try to supplement the offense a little bit uh, in Thompson Robinson's favor. But yeah, I, I'm with you. It's not one that we're particularly excited about and kind of feeling the same way about the Steelers offense. I I, I don't know about you, but um, that I mean, Najee and, and Jalen Warren delivered nicely last week, but um how do, you, how do you feel about this running back group this week against the Browns, who obviously we know one of the best defenses in the league here. And the 50-50 split has kind of continued. Warren did see slightly more work last week. Najee's getting the goal line work still. So do you have confidence that you could trust one or both um, again this week? I think if you like absolutely need to, uh, it it's fine. Um, you know, this seems to be like the one thing that's actually kind of working for the Steelers offense. Um, you know, you, you like the fact that the offensive line has looked solid. Um, the, that just seems to be the one element that's gelling for the Steelers offense at this point. So I think if you need to, you still roll with it, but again, this is a, a matchup like, uh, last week against the Packers, not a terrible matchup against the run this year. The 
the Cleveland Browns have been a, a much more suffocating matchup against the run, against the pass, against literally everything. Um, you know, I, I think we could expect, you know, maybe continued volume considering that's been working for this team. But I think generally speaking, you're probably not going to be expecting a ton of efficiency, even though we did see some of that in week 10. Yeah, it's a tough matchup, but Najee Harris has been, he's playing really well um, lately. He's been a lot more efficient, but it just, yeah, it's more the matchup than anything. I think there will be better weeks where we can feel better about putting both these guys in, um, you know, but it, not necessarily this week. And the other thing here for, for Pittsburgh's offense is, is the wide receivers, George Pickens, um, Deontay Johnson. So the Browns, one of those teams, again, that has a very, high success rate while playing man coverage and they are first in the league as far as playing man coverage goes. So um, the good thing with George Pickens and Deontay Johnson is for, they they've actually seen like elite target rates when facing man coverage is like 30% for, for George Pickens, 37% for Deontay, Deontay Johnson. So potential at least for volume there, but um, yeah, it's still, it's still going to be one of their tougher tests this week. And I don't know that I'm particularly excited about either one of these guys too, because I think it's more going to come down to Kenny Pickett trying to deal with this Browns defense more than anything than um, yeah. Trusting Pickens or Deontay Johnson to do something. We need Kenny Pickett to do something first, which I don't have faith that he'll be able to necessarily get it done against Cleveland. No. And something else to keep an eye on Deontay Johnson didn't practice Wednesday with mm. a thumb injury. It's a new one. Um, Take it with a grain of salt because Deontay Johnson literally always banged up. Always. It does not matter uh, what the game is, what the injury, like he's always got some sort of ailment, but a thumb injury, uh, I hear thumbs are important in the hand catching process. (laughs) So if there is a real issue there and it's not just like a, I banged my thumb on a, a coffee table kind of thing, a little bit of concern there, which might open things up a little bit for for George Pickens. Obviously, if it's a thumb injury, maybe you have him out there in more of a decoy role. Uh, maybe that funnels a little bit more volume toward mm-hmm. George Pickens, which, uh, you know, when you get the target share there, you know there's always some big play potential, um, even against a, a tough Browns defense. But, um, you know, Pat Fryermuth's there. They haven't really been working in the middle of the field. Like, this is just kind of a hodgepodge and we're still, I think, trying to figure out what the identity of this offense is outside of the run game, at least for now. And it, it, lots of question marks there that make it really hard to trust when, I mean, we're in week 11, we're trying to lock yeah. down, you know, a win or two to, to yeah. notch our, our trip to the championship here, our trip to the playoffs. Like this is, not a great time to be dabbling and and experimenting with the Pittsburgh offense, unfortunately, but it, it, you know, do, do your best. Yeah. <laughs> do your best is a good way to say it. But yeah, like, like you said, if Deontay Johnson does miss this game for whatever reason, like we did see George Pickens have success against the Browns without Johnson in the lineup um, in week two, I guess it was where Pickens had 127 yards, a touchdown um, and, and no Deontay Johnson in that one. But if Johnson is in the lineup, we're also getting Fryermuth in there. It just makes it uh, a little harder to trust the, the potential for volume and uh, efficiency against a very good defense. So um all right, let's go on to a couple of sub 500 teams here. It's the Los Angeles Chargers 
at the Green Bay Packers. Um, Los Angeles has been a fairly easy offense to sort out here uh, with Justin Herbert, Keenan Allen, Austin Eckler, but Quinton Johnston scores his first NFL touchdown last week. Kate, did that make him any more trustworthy for you as a fantasy starter this week? Eh, eh. <laughs> I, I, no. <laughs> No, right. No. Yeah. <laughs> um, maybe that maybe that's the way to say this. Um, no. And you know, again, I'm more of a cautious mindset. Um, mm-hmm. but again, this Packers defense, like not necessarily been a huge pushover to this point in the season, mm-hmm. allowing the 28th most fantasy points to wide receivers. That is hashtag bad. Um, again, this has been a defense that's a little bit more susceptible to the run. Uh, we saw that with the Steelers last week. They were able to exploit that. Uh, despite the fact that there was pretty much no threat of the of the pass. Um, I think this is a great spot for Austin Eckler. I don't I don't necessarily know that I want to get it feels like you'd be getting cute with Quentin Johnston. Yeah, I'm with you. And over the last two games without Josh Palmer, 9% target rate, 11% target rate. Like the touchdown was nice, nice, but I, I don't think this is something that we're trusting at this point in the season until we see some more consistency there. So that is pretty much the Chargers offense uh, for me. But the Green Bay offense is a tricky one to kind of sort out. So we'll spend some time there, I guess, and maybe start with the wide receivers because I think that's been the the kind of the biggest mess. and. Um, so last week I did, I wrote up Jaden Reed in the wide receiver man zone coverage report. And I can't remember if we talked about it on the podcast or not, because um, that that's too many things to remember for me, but uh, the, the chargers have played uh, zone coverage at a top 10 rate. Um, they've given up an explosive play on 16.7% of coverage snaps while in, while in zone. That's the fourth worst mark in the NFL. They've also allowed 8.5 yards per coverage target, 7.39 yards per coverage snaps and 12 yards per reception while in zone and those are all bottom five results so it's a good matchup for wide receivers here and Jaden Reed um coming off a I guess like wide receiver 12 PPR finish I think it was um continues to be you know a, a strong I think deep league option because he's performed well against zone coverage so far this year uh he uh leads the Packers wide receivers heading into this week in fantasy points per route run against zone with 0.39 which is tied for 33rd among wide receivers um he's got a team leading receiving grade against zone and yards per route run against zone um both leading the team but I feel like a good again about Jaden Reed is a deeper play um Christian Watson is probably the bigger question mark I think I, I don't know about you but Catchable target rate has been 50% or less over the last three games. He has the highest average depth of target on the team as well. So they're harder passes to try and complete. And Jordan loves just hasn't been great this year. So anybody that you're interested in here for green Bay. No, you're already kind of rolling the dice uh, in general with this entire receiving core. I think Jane Reed, a, a really nice bet, especially with how efficient he's been. Um, over the last two outings, uh, averaging 1.79 yards per route run. Uh, and, you know, you are sorry, uh, 2.3 yards per route run. Um, you you like the efficiency there for Jaden Reed, but for Romeo Dobbs, uh, even having a relatively high target share, you know, we're just not seeing that same sort of efficiency. For me, it goes Jaden Reed, Romeo Dobbs, Christian Watson, um, the one thing to note about Romeo Dobbs is this high rate of of usage here in the red zone end zone. Um, you know, 
to this point in the season, Dobbs is tied with CeeDee Lamb and Tyler Lockett to lead the league with 11 red zone targets this year. Like he's been the guy there and he's converted a fair, fair number of those. Again, this is, um, you know, a decent matchup for opposing wide receivers. So this could be a good spot for, uh, you know, one of these guys at the very least to find the end zone. Also think, you know, Jordan Love, given that matchup against the the pass, I think is a fine, what the heck, give it a try. Like <laughs> I, I could see him posting, you know, 250 yards, two touchdowns, and it, you'll have yourself that day Um, like that. That's kind of where I'm at with this team. But again, I think anytime you're starting any of these Green Bay Packers, you're not expecting, you know, a, a there's no guarantees. Uh, yeah. I think regard anybody in this offense, um, just in, in general, unfortunately. Yeah, unfortunately. And same thing with Luke Musgrave. Like I wish he was getting more of those end zone targets. I think he, he got his first one of the year just last week. Um, and it was definitely not a catchable pass. So it, it makes it harder for him to, um, but decent matchup, at least for him to put up maybe some potential yardage, at least um, Luke Musgrave, but eh, probably not starting him if you got better options uh, at tight end this week. Um, all right, on to uh, Raiders and the Dolphins. Uh, Dolphins are coming off a bye week and a loss in Germany to the Chiefs, but it seems that they are getting Devin A-Chain or A-Chan. He's been out for a while i can't remember how to pronounce his name now i think it's a chan um back this week much to the delight of fantasy managers uh last we saw him um he was uh one of the darlings of fantasy football um so we saw him and raheem mostert both doing their thing um they were both active saw very close usage um mostert did see more snaps and rush attempts and routes run overall but a chain a chan had the higher target share target rate super close there. Um, but most are, again, you know, was delivering as well, right? Both of these guys delivered. They're both explosive running backs. How do you feel about if A-Chan is back in the lineup about both of these guys, I guess, A-Chan and Mostert, um, this week? I think you play them. Like, I, I think that's kind of where we're at. I, I mean, the, the efficiency for A-Chan was just off the charts. Mm -hmm. Like, that's the beauty of both of these running backs. And I think the reason you can start both of these running backs is their efficiency is so off the charts that, you know, it doesn't really matter that they're split, splitting touches, right? Because they are like, it, it doesn't take much. Um, like three full games that we saw from HN, uh 13.8 yards per touch. 10.9 yards per touch, 10.6 yards per touch, uh, seven Gosh. touchdowns in the span that he played, you know, over the full period of the game. Um, in each of those three games, didn't have a, a single outing with a run less than 55 yards. Like the, like he was just so explosive. It, it just doesn't take, take much. I mean, you know, 55 rushing yards uh, on a single gain, like you might take 55 rushing yards from a, a running back in your flex play happily. Yeah. Um, and HN can get that on one run and so can Raheem Mostert. So I think you just, you roll with it and, and hope that he is as explosive as it seems like he's looked in practice so far um, in his return. But I, I think as long as he's active, you play him. Yeah, I like it. Um, Anybody else on Miami that's worth talking about? I mean, we know who Ty Tyree Kill and Jalen Waddle are, but 
and to a tongue of Iloa, but anybody else worth discussing? No. Probably not, right? Yeah. Um, but let's look at the uh, Las Vegas Raiders here because AOC, Aiden O'Connell back at QB here. And obviously we like Josh Jacobs, but Devontae Adams really been the only one getting fed lately. Um, he's had a minimum 23% target rate in each of the last four games. The Jacoby Myers target rate is what's concerning. And we've talked about it a few times with Aiden O'Connell at quarterback. It's been 9%, 24%, back down to 7, 7%. So not all bad, but definitely not nearly as excited about Jacoby Myers as I was in the first month or so of the season. So he could potentially be somebody that we can start to avoid if this kind of continues here, unfortunately. Um, with the change at quarterback, just not able to sustain more than one um, pass catcher here and it's probably going to be Devonte Adams again. Yeah, I I think that's totally fair. Um it it's Devonte Adams or bust for me. Um you know, Josh Jacobs you're starting him on a volume basis, um but it, again, sort of the the lack of the pass here really, you know, allows opposing defenses to kind of hone in against the run. So hopefully they can get something going with Devonte Adams. Maybe they can get Jacoby Myers a little bit involved, but the only two Raiders that I'm allowing anywhere near my fantasy lineups right now are Josh Jacobs and Devonte Adams. And if, you know, Jacoby Myers posts 15 points or so on my bench, that's okay. Cause I, I think the, the floor is going to be so low. It's probably not going to be worth it. Yeah. And he had like, a, he had the rushing touchdown as well, um, which, which really helped him the, the other week. And like, it's not something that Jacoby Myers is necessarily known for either, or that we can bank on. So um, it is definitely concerning, but that you're right. That is basically the, the Raiders offense here. So uh, let's go to the Kyler Murray led Arizona Cardinals and the CJ Stroud led Houston Texans. Kate, uh, where do you want to start with this game? Should we start maybe with, uh, I don't know, the offensive rookie of the year? Uh, maybe we should talk about CJ Stroud <laughs> and this crazy Texans offense. Like, CJ Stroud is absolutely playing out of his mind. And it's something that, like, I never thought would translate for fantasy production specifically. Like, coming out of Ohio State, you knew he was mobile, but it wasn't necessarily like he, he used that mobility as a a key part of his game, you know, mm -hmm. it, gaining rushing yards. Like it, he's, he's showing all of that and more, and he's utilized this, you know, receiving core incredibly well. So like, I don't, are, are you like waiting for the shoe to drop at all with CJ Stroud? Or do you think this is the new Texans and that they've officially arrived? Yeah. I, I, you know what? I haven't even really thought that the shoes, the other shoe was going to drop here. I felt, pretty good about this offense like I, I think CJ Stroud's doing a nice job and I, I feel comfortable in the weapons that he has guys like Tank Dell and Nico Collins and apparently Noah Brown as well um, but like whoever kind of steps in there that this offense has made it happen and the the awesome the offensive philosophy too of just passing the ball at a very high rate has worked out uh, with CJ Stroud at quarterback so I feel pretty good about this offense. I feel good about Tank Dell starting him. I know Nico Collins was a limited participant with that calf injury on Wednesday, but I do think he said uh, said he was going to play this week. So I I, I think he's going to be in there. Noah Brown, I think, is going to be questionable as well. I don't know if he's necessarily going to play last I saw. But, um, I mean, look, Tank Dell, Nico Collins, these guys have been excellent all year. And funnily, funny Schultz. enough, Dalton Schultz too. Yeah, like I'm not 
I'm not sitting Dalton Schultz, you know, considering how involved he's been in that passing offense and how much they pass leaves plenty of opportunities. So I don't think there's much question there. The question probably is at running back. If Damian Pierce is back, um, he was a DNP on Wednesday. So don't know that he'll be back this week. Hopefully he's not because it keeps things pretty easy for us. And, and we can trust Evan Singletary who dominated the touches um, the last two games without Damian Pierce and obviously had the big game last week. So if Damian Pierce does play, I still prefer Devin Singletary because he's been kind of out, out working and, and outplaying Damian Pierce when they've both been healthy. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I feel good about this offense. Um, it's one of the few that I'm like, I'm comfortable with. I know what I'm getting and uh, feel good about putting these guys into lineups. Yeah. I want them to get healthy first and foremost, yeah. but definitely um, when healthy, I think this is going to be, mayor of an offense to try to to contain with the number of weapons they have um if damian pierce returns not super and not looking to start him in his first game back um especially given the success that devin singletary has had um you know they might feel comfortable kind of easing him slowly back into that mix um coming off such an outstanding performance in week 10 um you feel okay about devin singletary but uh, you know other than that, I think you start the pass catchers that are healthy for this team. Uh, the the whoever's active is probably going to be in my fantasy lineups. Um, even even Noah Brown, I think uh, his status, of course, up in the air. But I mean, really hard to beat the production we've seen from them. You know, since it, what this has been uh, two straight weeks of like big big boom performances. Yeah. Um, this team's just not slowing down, and I love it. Yeah, they're not. I wish it was like John Mechie or somebody getting more involved there, but it's Noah yeah. Brown and he's he's been good with his 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 um opportunities. So yeah, I feel like we can trust Brown if for whatever reason Nico Collins is out, but it seems like Nico Collins will play. Um yeah, so then on the Arizona side of things, like I said, Kyler Murray is back. He looked pretty healthy last week. He had the six runs, had like 33 rushing yards, added a, a rushing touchdown as well. We also got James Conner back. He was nearly his normal workload. Um, I think he was like a 60 something percent uh, offensive snap share. We saw Keontae Ingram and Tony Jones kind of work in a little bit, but otherwise it was full go for James Conner. So feel good about him again in that kind of RB2 range again. Um how about the wide receivers for uh, the Arizona Cardinals? And we can include tight end in there too, because Trey McBride has been awesome at, at tight end. So uh, where do you want to go wide receiver or tight end for Arizona? I think tight ends kind of, kind of easy at this point, right? We saw yeah. a, a down week from Trey McBride here a, a couple weeks ago, but bounced right back. I mean, Kyler Murray, he's targeted the tight end position pretty heavily, um, not just this year, but last year as well, especially um, last year without uh, DeAndre Hopkins, we saw a ton of usage for Zach Ertz and that translated immediately like, boom, you have kind of a similar structured offense to what we saw last season when he didn't have DeAndre Hopkins and that kind of bore out with, you know, more work for uh second year tight end Trey McBride. It's been um, kind of a roller coaster, but I think he's a, a guy that in matchups that aren't overly suffocating, like, um, you know, week nine against the Browns, that was not a, a good matchup to trust, yeah. uh, trust Trey McBride in, but in okay to good matchups, I think you'd start Trey McBride without question rest of season. 
Yeah, and uh, the Texans are giving up the third most points to tight ends as well, so that really helps. McBride, 84.6 receiving grade, second best among tight ends, and then without Zach Ertz the last three weeks too, 39% target rate, 25% target rate, 32% target rate. So just elite numbers there from Trey McBride. Um, I, I think you know he could keep it going here with Kyler in the lineup, obviously really helps him as well. And then, um, yeah, wide receiver, eh, I don't know. These guys, not as interested. Like, I continue to like Michael Wilson as one of those deeper plays, too, just because um, he's he's really he's got really good numbers against zone coverage and almost scored a touchdown, was like inches short of the goal line last week. I liked him as a deep play then, and he almost got in for me, but uh, still kind of like him this week. He's um, The Texans one of the more zone-heavy defenses in the league, and um, Wilson has performed well against zone. So deep leagues, don't mind Michael Wilson. Hollywood Brown in that kind of wide receiver three range for me. Yep. All right. Quick ad break here from Manscaped. Q dramatic music, public service service announcement. It's not a bird. It's not a plane. It's the most revolutionary ball trimmer the world has ever seen. Gentlemen, our friends over at Manscaped have been working night and day to bring you the below the waist grooming experience like none other with their brand new lawnmower 5.0 ultra. We're talking about a next generation trimmer with interchangeable blade heads for whatever shave your mind can imagine. AI is cool, but I think this might be the biggest technological advancement the world has ever seen. Upgrade your grooming game to the ultra sphere this year by going to manscaped.com for 20% off plus free shipping with code PFF high tech for low places manscaped get 20% off plus free shipping with the code PFF at manscaped.com 20% off plus free shipping with the code PFF at manscaped.com. I can promise you've never seen a ball trimmer look like a spaceship. Um, Get yours today from our folks at manscaped. All right, off to the NFC West now. It is the Seattle Seahawks at the Los Angeles Rams. Um, It seems like Matthew Stafford will be back uh, in the lineups, thankfully, for guys like Cooper Cup and Puka Nakua. We're starting those guys. Is there anyone else that you like for the Rams this week, Kate? Uh, No, I think think that outside of the primary weapons, you'd be getting a little bit too cute. And now I think the the biggest question people might have is like, okay, so Matthew Stafford, um, you know, if he's, if he's good to go for this game, like, can you really trust that he's going to be able to deliver the ball, uh, you know, to his wide receivers? I think yes. Um, but again, not a guy that I'm looking to start for fantasy football. Um, despite the fact that this was generally, you know, with Matthew Stafford, it's been a very productive passing offense. Um, plenty of volume, uh, plenty of yardage. This hasn't been a, a very fruitful offense for passing touchdowns so far this season. So, um, you know, I, I think you take that with a grain of salt, but, you know, especially in full PPR formats, you're like full steam ahead. Otherwise, I'm not getting cute outside of this receiving core. Yep, I'm with you there for sure. And yeah, you start Cooper Cup, Puka Nakua. I know Devin Witherspoon, the rookie, has been excellent. Um, Tariq Woolen has been really good as well, but it really helps to have Matthew Stafford back, at least for target rate for those guys. So they should be able to get some nice volume production for us this week. But yeah, outside of that, don't really uh, care for this Rams offense. It could potentially be getting Kyron Williams back in week 12, but we'll have to kind of wait and see because um, yeah, that the backfield is much clearer when Kyron Williams was in there. It has not been clear um, with Daryl Henderson and Royce Freeman um, in the lineup. So I think we can safely avoid those guys in most leagues. Um, On the Seattle side of things, the backfield has continued to be interesting. I know that Zach Charbonnet has now outsnapped Kenneth Walker the last three weeks, but could be more of a a game script thing. But, I mean, 
it is still at least interesting because it's it hasn't it wasn't really close prior to those last three games. So I think we'll still see Charbonnet involved this week regardless probably just not enough to make it into most starting lineups but um what's your your comfort level on on this seattle backfield i, I feel like kenneth walker still a solid start kenneth walker still a, a solid start coming off a, a season high 64 receiving yards last mm-hmm. week um uh, took a nice a uh, nice long catch uh down the, the field not necessarily been overly involved as a receiver i think that's kind of a role we can pigeon in uh, for yeah. Zach Charbonnet. But the issue is like when Charbonnet has been on the field, he hasn't been getting uh, touches. So yeah. it, like we're, we're looking at this backfield and yes, though the, the split and snap share might be concerning. It's Kev- Kenneth Walker. That's actually touching the ball at a much higher rate when he's actually on the field. Um, last week had 20 total touches. Like you're, you're, not complaining about that whatsoever. And I mean, despite the fact that he had, you know, back to back down weeks, like he has had 17 plus carries in all but three games this season. And, and, you know, he's, I I think he's RB one for this team. And, and, you know, given the fact that Charbonnet's presence on the field hasn't necessarily translated to touches um, for the time being, I think we can feel pretty comfortable with Walker until we start to see, um, in increase in, in touch percentage for Charbonnet when he's actually on the field. Yep. I agree a hundred percent there. And then on the other side of things, I guess it's the passing offense for Seattle, right? Geno Smith continues to not be amazing here at quarterback. And we, we touched on his numbers a little bit last week, but how does that leave you feeling for like guys like DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett, uh, and even Jackson Smith and Jigba for those deeper leagues? I'm I'm still kind of tepid, honestly. I know that like Geno Smith actually, you know, coming off one of his his best games this season for fantasy. Um, I'm not I, I, like you're starting Tyler Lockett, you're starting DK Metcalf. Um, obviously, we're starting to see that increased role for Jackson Smith and Jigba. I don't feel super strongly about any of them in this particular matchup. It's a, a very familiar divisional foe. Um, you know, I, I could see this being kind of an ugly game script. Um, you know, I, I'm not dying to get any of them in my lineups. I, I, I think it's Lockett for me, it's Metcalf. And then I know Smith and Jigba has been, been looking fantastic. I know he's been, you know, scoring some touchdowns, but can you trust it? I'm not a hundred percent sure that we, we can continue to buy in unless you're just looking for like a, a guy that's going to get you like 10 PPR points. I think that's right. What we can expect from Jackson Smith and Jigba in particular. Yeah. I think that's perfectly fair for sure. And um, yeah, it, it, we'll see what happens here, but uh, yeah, don't mind DK Metcalf in that wide receiver two range more than anything. Like he's not like a must start, you know, in, in shallow leagues, but um, he's, he's, he's been good. He's, he's been, he's been perfectly fine. Should be an okay matchup. Um, All right, Tampa Bay and San Francisco are up next. And some more pretty straightforward offenses here. Uh, Rashad White has been on fire lately as well. So um, let's start with the Bucs. We know we're starting Mike Evans, Rashad White, and Chris Godwin is kind of interesting. I I think, you know, for somebody that has been a little inconsistent uh, at times, should be in a decent spot here. So 
Um, again, kind of go into the, the man's own coverage report. Um, Godwin's been much better against man coverage. He, he's generated 0.51 fantasy points per route run against man, which is tied for 23rd among wide receivers. Really high target rate as well at 26% against man coverage. He leads the team in receiving grade 77.3 against man. 49ers are one of those teams that play a little bit of both. They play man and zoned, and they've been really good in zone, but have been like the complete opposite in when they're in man. The man coverage defense for 49ers have been uh they've allowed 15.2 yards per reception which is second worst and they've allowed a first down or touchdown on 44.3 percent of their man man coverage snaps which is a bottom 10 mark as well so i don't mind chris godwin in you know that kind of wide receiver two three fringe range for me this year or this week um because he's been able to take advantage of those man coverage matchups and I could see a little bit of it here against San Francisco. So I don't know. How how do you feel about the the Bucks offense? Bucks offense, I do feel like it, like you said, kind of a, a straightforward one at this point. Chris Godwin, we really haven't seen a, a super high ceiling for him uh, yeah. just in general this season. But generally speaking, been pretty safe, had 50 plus receiving yards in all but two games this season so far. The big killer has been touchdowns, which yeah. that has been Mike Evans' forte. So again, kind of like... Smith and Jigba here for the the Seahawks. I think you're looking at Chris Godwin and saying like, okay, if I'm in a full PPR format um, and I need, you know, 10 to 15 points, like light up Chris Godwin. Otherwise you you might be disappointed on the week. Cause I do think that uh, Mike Evans and Rashad white seem to, to have carved out a, a role for themselves as the, the higher upside receiving weapons as crazy as that sounds. Um, the 49ers for a, as tough a matchup as, as they can be on the ground, middle of the pack in terms of allowing receiving yards to opposing running backs should be a fair spot for Rashad white to, to get a, you know, a, a decent amount of yardage as a receiver, which that's where he's been used. Um, but yeah, otherwise I, I think this, this bucks offense generally pretty, pretty safe. I'm not even getting cute with a K dot and we saw him come back to earth last week. Um, I think it's pretty straightforward here. Uh, it's Mike Evans, it's Rashad white. And other than that, the rest of this offense might get demolished, get cute with Chris Godwin if you want. Um, but just know that that ceiling hasn't been here for him this year. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. And yeah, Rashad white too, like not a great matchup for like rushing production, but he's been so good. Like for PPR leagues, he he's been getting a, a ton of opportunity there. So that's always been nice. Um, Shad White and then has been producing in the receiving game. Like we hoped Chris Godwin would be <laughs> producing <laughs> yeah, in the receiving true. game. So what yeah. a wacky world we live in. It's crazy. It's nuts. Um, so yeah. Uh, let's look at the 49ers pretty quickly here because Christian McCaffrey, Brandon Ayuk, and, and George Kittle are all pretty much in starting lineups for the most part. Um, Debo Samuel as well, definitely opportunity to put him in the lineups. I don't know. I, I mean, anybody that stands out on San Francisco that you really dislike or a deep play that you do like um, for the 49ers? No, I think you, you kind of said it like you, you start your 49ers in this matchup. Um, I, I highlighted the Buccaneers as a, a secondary to kind of target that did not turn out the way I hoped it would uh, here for the Tennessee Titans last week, but 49ers, a much more efficient passing offense than the Tennessee Titans. They have a lot more weapons, a lot more ground that these Buccaneers would need to cover. Um, so I think this could be a day where, or Brock Purdy has one of the best fantasy days in his career 
uh, with the myriad of weapons and and the amount of success that this Buccaneers defense uh, might have against this offense, which I don't think is a lot. It's I I expect a a poor showing from this Buccaneers defense. Yeah, I like I'm with you. I like Brock Purdy this week as well. Um, Bucks giving up the fifth most points to quarterbacks. Brock Purdy's had a top 12 fantasy QB finish six times uh, this year, which is definitely more than like a Trevor Lawrence, for example. So another one of those guys that we could be putting in uh, had a Trevor Lawrence this week as well. Um, but yeah, that is it's a pretty easy um, couple teams to go through there. So let's go to the Jets and the Bills next. And uh, uh, let's start with... Um, I mean, really a couple quarterbacks prone to turning the ball over here recently. Oh. It's as you know, Zach Wilson versus Josh Allen. So, um, yeah. Where do you want to start with the, with this game? Let's start with the jets. I feel like the jets are fairly sure. simple. It's yeah. it's Garrett Wilson. Um, end of sentence. I do <laughs> think this could be an interesting spot maybe for Tyler Conklin, uh, who's been uh, a little bit more involved in the receiving game over the last couple of weeks. He's had, uh, he's ranked second in team target share over the past two weeks, only behind, of course, Garrett Wilson, um, you know, and this defense in general, this Bill's defense, um, you know, been a middle of the pack matchup against uh, opposing tight ends. I think it's a, a fine place if you are in desperate need of a tight end. Um, Conklin is available in the majority of leagues, but, you know, I, I think it's Wilson. Garrett Wilson, yeah. don't not Zach. Do not, <laughs> not get them the other confused. one. <laughs> that would not be pretty. No. Yeah, nobody's getting those two confused. I would hope. Um, but yeah, <laughs> I'm with you. It's uh, yeah, Garrett Wilson, Brees Hall, and uh, yeah, the deeper leagues. I'm looking at a shot at tight end there, Tyler Conklin. Yeah, he's he's seen the tar- targets lately, which has been nice. So um, could be some room for him there. And then on the Bills side of things, I mean, obviously, Stefan Diggs, we feel good about Josh Allen. You know, he obviously has had the turnovers lately, but and he had the the rough game against the Jets in week one, I guess it was. But he's still not leaving lineups just for that that potential upside there. Same thing with even Dalton Kincaid. So the question marks, I think, are probably around James Cook and Gabe Davis this week. So um, Gabe Davis has really struggled um, significantly against man coverage this year, um, which the jets have been really good at is uh, recorded 0.19 fantasy points per route run against man. That's tied for 89th among wide receivers. He's 80th in receiving grade versus man um, with a 59.6 78th in yards per route run versus man. Um, he's one of those players to potentially avoid this week for me as the Jets do play a fair share of, of man coverage and they are um, one of the better defenses in the league with Sauce Gardner and DJ Reed um, being able to be on uh, as their corners there. So I don't know. Do you, do you feel better about Gabe Davis this week? I know he's been up and down. Um, no. Is this? No. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> no. Through the first 10 weeks of the season, the Jets are allowing a league low 102.7 receiving yards a game to opposing wide receivers. They've allowed just a single touchdown to a wide receiver this season. Um, you know, that's three fewer than any other defense has given up to the position this year. This is a familiar opponent to Gabe Davis. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has not exceeded or he has uh, failed to exceed 5.5 fantasy points uh, in all but one of his career games against the Jets dating back to 2020. Oh um, seven games against the Jets in his career. It only exceeded five fantasy points once. So this is not like a, a good matchup. It's it's a matchup we've seen a million times before for Gabe Davis, and it hasn't been a good one. 
um, you know, this, like you said, Sauce Gardner, DJ Reed, just the best cornerback duo in the league this year. And I mean, you know, I, I said 102.7 receiving yards per game to opposing wide receivers and, you know, a, a decent amount of those came while they were dealing with injuries. Like it with, with them in the lineups, this team shuts down the pass shuts down opposing wide receivers and an asset that's already as volatile as Gabe Davis. I'm not expecting that like any of that is going to be solved this week. No. Yeah. There's just no chance. I, I want to put Gabe Davis in my lineup this week if I can afford to. Um, and then on the other side of things for the bills offense, it is their running back. So the jets, one of the better run defense teams in the league as well. 73.3 run defense grade, which is fifth best. Um, so James cook, you know, he's been good this year. Obviously he had the fumble, um, last week, which, which cost him some playing time, but with his touches, he was efficient. He's just, he's, he's like, like you said, like Chris Godwin doesn't have the touchdown upside. James cook doesn't really have that touchdown upside either. We saw it briefly early in the year where they gave him some goal to go touches. But other than that, there there's really no opportunity there. This for him this year, it's been Latavius Murray taking a lot of those um, touches inside the five yard line. So James cook at, I don't know, at pretty much on the fringes of that RB two RB three um, spot for me. Uh, how about you? Yeah. Like what James cook needs is like a breakaway run. I think, mm-hmm. Last week, it, it was just such a cringeworthy day uh, for James Cook, despite the fact that he looked he looked incredible. But yeah. the ball security was 100 percent an issue. And for this team, um, you know, as soon I, I don't know who was necessarily involved in the benching of James Cook, um, whether it was Ken Dorsey or whether that was Sean McDermott or like what went into that. But basically, it, the team acknowledged very loudly with him on the sideline that they need him to hold on to the ball. Mm-hmm. He came back in and then you saw another uh, another instance where he fumbled. He happened to pick it back up. It bounced just perfectly into his arm so he could keep running. <laughs> so lucky. Yeah. It was the luckiest. Like that would have 100% been another turnover. There was another handoff, a botched handoff between uh, him and Josh Allen. It was definitely Josh Allen's fault. Um, he just like let go of the ball before it was yeah. even in, in, you know, in range for James Cook. But like just in general, knowing how much a problem these turnovers have been and knowing the matchup, I don't know what to expect with James Cook. The The only thing that I'm kind of holding on to with James Cook is, you know, like a Raheem Mostert, like a, a Devin A. Chain, uh, a Chan. Oh, my God. Never going to get used to that. Um like like those kind of explosive players, it doesn't necessarily take a ton of volume for them to to reach the kind of yardage potential. But yeah, d- given the the lack of usage in the red zone and knowing that this just isn't necessarily a great matchup for anybody anywhere around, not not loving it. Uh, James Cook, uh, their first go around in the season, um, had twelve carries, forty six rushing yards. Like I, I think. Generally speaking, you're probably expecting RB2, RB3 production. Um, Yeah. 
Yeah, that's it. That's exactly where I'm at with him. And it is a good defense. Like if there was a, if it was a better matchup this week, you know, if it was like against the Carolina or, or New York Giants or something yes. like that, you'd feel a lot better about him. But the, the Jets, they definitely have a, a stronger defense. So it makes it harder to trust James Cook this week, but there could potentially be better weeks to trust him um, kind of going forward here. So Let's go to Sunday night football. It is the pastronaut led Minnesota Vikings uh, <laughs> taking on Russell Wilson's Denver Broncos and uh, kind of a matchup that I feel okay about start about both quarterbacks this week. And I, I guess starting with Russell Wilson, I mean, the Broncos offensive line has been fine. They've been a decent um, pass blocking unit. The Vikings defensive line, though, really hasn't been great. Like Daniel Hunter's got the sacks, but as far as generating pressures go, they're the second worst defensive line in the league at generating pressure. Um, they, they've earned a 53.6 pass rush grade as well, which is the second worst mark this season, that defensive line. And Russell Wilson, when kept clean, has been really good. He's thrown 18 touchdown passes from a clean pocket, which is just one fewer than the league leaders to Atunga Vailoa and Josh Allen. Um, he's also earned a 5.3% big-time throw rate from a clean pocket, which is a top-10 mark among quarterbacks, 80.3% adjusted completion rate when he isn't pressured, third best among quarterbacks. Um, Russell Wilson's been solid. I I in the right matchup. So I feel pretty good about him. Plus he made that ridiculous throw to Cortland Sutton <laughs> um, last week, which is just one of the more amazing um, plays that we've seen this year. So I feel okay about Russell Wilson this week. Am I crazy to trust him? No, I think Russell Wilson, you know, hasn't necessarily had like a super high ceiling this year, but his floor has actually been, you know, kind of, kind of fine. I mean, he's had, um, you know, I, I think all but, three of his matchups this year, I believe have uh, been finishes in the, inside the top 12. Like it, you'll take that for a guy who's, it might just very well be on waivers at this point. Um, Cortland Sutton, I think has looked fantastic too. Like I, it kind of came out of left field. He's on pace for 13 touchdowns uh, this year, despite uh, being on pace for only around like 800 receiving yards, but he has been kind of this go-to option in the red zone. And he's been, a pretty clutch one at that as we kind of got on full display last week uh, with that insane touchdown grab in the end zone. Um, the, the toe drag swag, just absolutely unbeatable there. But um, you know, I think, yeah, Russell Wilson, he is a fine, um, a fine matchup. He's going to make some boneheaded decisions, which I think we've seen. Um, but generally speaking, um, you know, he's, he's got a good surrounding cast. Uh, you love Javante Williams. You love the the yeah. work he's been getting in. Um, and I think that's kind of where this ends. But I will say I'm starting to reach the point where I, I have a lot more trust in Cortland Sutton than I do Jerry Judy. And I did not think that would be the case heading into 2023. Yeah, I did. I was I'm with you. I was not on that um, either. I, I thought Jerry Judy could potentially have one of his better years, and it's kind of been the opposite. He has not been great this year. And Cortland Sutton, Sutton has, is the wide receiver 18 on the year. Unreal. Yeah, he's been he's been excellent. And and like you said, those end zone targets have have been a big help for that. But um, yeah, really looking good. So I think you continue to roll with Cortland Sutton for the most part if you've already been starting him, and then. 
I mean, it was nice too to see Marvin Mims get more playing time this past week as well. 76% route participation, which is the highest by far for him of the season with Brandon Johnson on injured reserve as well. So nice to see him. He hasn't delivered necessarily um, as far as production goes, but there there's, you know, one of those deep league plays. If you're looking for maybe a big play to kind of come out of nowhere, uh, Marvin the Mims. Thing, the thing is like the more Sean Payton talks about needing to get Marvin Mims involved, the less involved we see like so weird he has gone three of the last four weeks without a single catch he's had one reception for zero receiving yards over the last four weeks he has had some very weird uh, weirdly placed like runarounds and and sweeps like that just didn't make a ton of sense like you know sending them back several yards just to gain a couple and it made no sense at the time um, and they weren't successful plays anyway. So I don't really understand what they're doing with Marvin Mims. You love to see the the participation, but man, that target rate, especially given the high participation is a bit concerning for me. Yeah, it's not good. It's not something that most, most leagues are banking on at all because yeah, below, I think he's averaging 5% uh, target rate over the last three games for him. So it's really, really poor. Uh, if you paced <laughs> out uh, his last five games yeah. over the course of a 17 game season, he would be on pace for 17 receiving yards and zero touchdowns. Oh my God. That's gross. And negative uh, 47 <laughs> rushing yards. <laughs> That, yeah, that's a so, fun stat. Yeah, he's he's hurting. He's giving giving you negative points there, um, basically on a 17 yeah. game season. So um, all right, let's go to because I don't think that there was much more here for the Denver. Now we touched on Javante Williams, he's been excellent as far as volume goes. So, how about on the Minnesota side of things? I, I mentioned liking um Josh Dobbs this week. Uh Broncos giving up the seventh most touchdown or most fantasy points to uh quarterbacks. And and Josh Dobbs, since coming to Minnesota, has has been better than he was even in, in Arizona. So feel pretty good about him and a few other options that we have here in uh Minnesota, even Ty Chandler. Um, so Ty Chandler could be without Alexander Madison this week and haven't liked Alexander Madison. Obviously he's been um, very ineffective for the most part this season. So could be Ty Chandler's chance to kind of shine here and maybe win some more snaps going forward when Alexander Madison recovers from the concussion. Yeah, I'm probably, I feel like I'm a little bit uh, cooler on the Vikings offense in general than you are right now. Okay. So Josh Jobs, I like just to be clear, he has been amazing um, over the last two weeks, 110 rushing yards and two touchdowns on the ground. I mean, that has been back to back weeks as a top five fantasy quarterback on a brand new team that he barely has ever played with like that. You cannot deny that that is absolutely incredible. But the Broncos like this defense, despite the fact that on the season, they've they've allowed uh, some decent fantasy production to opposing quarterbacks. I'm a little bit worried about the way that they've been able to generate turnovers in the, these past couple of weeks over the last, uh, in, sorry, they've logged an interception in each of their last six games. Uh, and you know, that's including games with Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, who I know, yes, turning the ball over, but, um, in that same span, like Patrick Mahomes, Jordan Love, Josh Allen, they've held all of them to a total of four passing touchdowns and 225 passing yards over the last three weeks. Um, like I, I think they might be surging just a little bit. And it seems like this, this defense is kind of vibing 
Um, and they're, they're generating those turnovers, which, you know, I, I think could be maybe a, a spot of weakness here headed into week three. I know it's another week, you know, of practice with the team and, and all that jazz, but I don't know. There's something about this Denver Broncos defense that like Pat Sertan and company, they feel like they're vibing. Yeah. Pat Sertan's been great. Yeah. I guess for me, like I just not loving the the rest of the group. I mean, Justin Simmons has been really good, but uh, I don't, yeah, they've definitely it. been it's playing not, better lately. It, like they <laughs> haven't been like a sexy defense, but yeah, yeah. they've been generating turnovers, which I I think you know. I don't. I I'm expecting the foot to drop, the other foot to drop here for <laughs> for this offense, and I think that this could be sure. one of those trap situations. I don't know though. It like yeah. it, Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen, they they did not play well up against this defense. And it, you know, to be fair, those are two quarterbacks that have had ups and downs throughout their, their, you know, 2023 seasons, but I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm with you. Yeah. There's, there's definitely some stuff to like there for the Denver defense, but yeah, Justin Jefferson could potentially be back again this week, which was one of the, the other reasons that I, I did like Josh Dobbs as well, getting in that, that true elite wide receiver there. Jordan Addison's been really solid. TJ Hawkinson as well. I like the potential for this Minnesota offense, um, I guess, for for me. And just considering Josh, Josh Dobbs has been doing a, a nice job, but like you said, new on the team, but um, has performed pretty well, uh, all things considered. So it'll be a fun one to watch, I think, on Sunday Night Football. Could be um, one of the better games, I think, it's surprisingly, um, even though it doesn't necessarily seem like it might be on paper. But anybody else for, for Minnesota uh, for you uh, this week? No, I think that about covers it. I do think you're right, though. Like name value, not yeah. the sexiest game on the right. slate this week. But I do think it could sneaky be a pretty entertaining matchup for both of these teams. Yeah, yeah. Could be a fun one, I think, for Sunday Night Football. So looking forward to it. Um, last game of the week here, and it was the last game of last season as well. It's a Super Bowl rematch between the Philadelphia Eagles and the Kansas City Chiefs. So, Kate... This should be another one of those fun games. Um, where do you want to go first uh, with this matchup? Ooh, I, you know, I think the Eagles probably a pretty like straightforward matchup so we can get them out of the way. I think the chiefs are sure. way more interesting at this point in the season. <laughs> I mean, the, the chiefs, not a great defensive matchup, like, a, you know, ranked right. top 10 against every single position in the league this year for fantasy production. Um, They've, they've just been just probably one of the most underrated defenses in the league, but you have the Eagles who, you know, pretty good offense. So they, they, I trust them to take it on wholeheartedly. Um, and to the point of the chiefs, like haven't necessarily faced the toughest stretch of their schedule to this point in the season. So we might see those numbers fluctuate a little bit just based on, on the strength of the opponent. Um, now the Eagles, you're starting Jalen hurts. Uh, you're starting DeAndre Swift and you are starting uh, A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith, especially considering the absence of Dallas Goddard. But mm -hmm. I mean, that's it, right? Like it doesn't matter what opponent you're going up against, like especially this week. And I know I've talked about the volatility of Devonta Smith in the past. You're throwing that out the window with Dallas Goddard out of the mix. Like yeah. he is a smash play. There are no other questions that I have about this Eagles offense, which is so nice. Just set it and forget it. 
Yeah, no, yeah, you said it. And uh, yeah, you're not putting Jack Stoll in your lineup here. Um, no, it's like or, an easy bake oven. It's it, it's so it, you just <laughs> set the timer and you let it you let it cook. Yeah, I'm with you. And look, the Chiefs, they did a nice job against the, the Miami offense a couple weeks ago. But again, we we trust this Eagles offense to to be productive either way. So I don't think um, you're letting any of those guys leave your lineup, but then you're also not going anywhere beyond those starters either. So let's talk about the Kansas City Chiefs offense here. And I mean, starter Mahomes, sit, Patrick Mahomes. Sorry, starter sits. Uh, yeah, I wonder. Um, let me see. I probably QB one for me this week um, against the Eagles and what should be, I would think like a high scoring game, right? Like, especially with the Eagles who are giving up third most fantasy points to quarterbacks to Mahomes coming off a nice rest here uh, and the bye week, uh, he should be good to go. And I also kind of like Rasheed Rice again um, this week. He he just continues to kind of intrigue, right? He's working against zone coverage again. Um, third most fantasy points per route run against zone this year. Um, strong target rates against both man and zone. Snapshare slowly on the rise as well. He's really the lone Chiefs wide receiver that I would be considering this week and i mean travis kelsey obviously we're starting i don't know if taylor swift is going to be in the house for this one or not but it doesn't really matter i'm not benching uh, travis kelsey based on taylor swift uh, appearance or not um so yeah <laughs> anybody else on uh kansas city's offense that uh, is worth discussing for you no i think uh for me I, I think the biggest question for me right now is probably pacheco like i i yeah. don't see this being a sweet spot. You know, this is not a matchup where uh, I'm looking to trust him. I I think Pacheco is probably going to end up somewhere around like RB 35 in my rankings this week, uh, which is not necessarily a matchup that you're excited about um, looking to avoid him at pretty much all costs. But yeah, back to the well on Rashi Rice. Uh, He continues to impress with all that yards after the catch ability um, his ability to find these these soft spots against zone has been just so impressive. Um, he he just feels like he's got this knack and this this vibe with with Patrick Mahomes, which you love. Um, you know, I, I, yeah, maybe this is like the easiest matchup of the week. Like I, <laughs> there's not a lot to get cute with. We know who these teams are, which is so nice. It is. Yeah, it's definitely nice. And yeah, not the best match for Pacheco. Um, Eagles giving up the fewest points, um, fantasy points per game to the running back position. It was interesting, at least with Pacheco. He did see a season high um, snap share last week, 70% and like 76% of the rush attempts in a close game against Miami. So I'd be keeping an eye to see if that becomes a trend here um, for him. That would be the one kind of redeeming factor for me is if his volume jumps up like it did this past week. So, uh, or this past game in week nine, but um, yeah, other than that, I think you pretty much nailed that. There is nobody else kind of worth considering. So, With that uh, being said, that is going to wrap up our week 11 uh, preview episode. So again, thank you everybody for listening or watching on YouTube. Um, Hopefully, again, it helps get those lineups set. Um, Again, crunch time here for for fantasy, for the fantasy season. We're nearing the fantasy playoffs. So um, any questions and stuff like that, you can shout them in the YouTube comments as well. I I always check in there to see if there's any start sit questions or anything like that. But um, Kate, a big thank you to you as well for going going through it all with me um it was a it was a pleasure but please let everybody know what else you can have uh up on pff.com this week 
Yeah, as I mentioned, I have the the uh, Russia's report. I've got the Panic Orientic column. Uh, both of those are live over at pff.com. And of course, every Friday, in case of emergency, waiver wire ads, just in case. You never know when you might find yourself in need due to last second injury. So combing the waiver wires, finding some players that might be available in your leagues that could help you out in a pinch. Awesome. Yeah. Check all that out. Um, I got the IDP fantasy report up on pff.com IDP rankings, wide receiver man zone coverage report, offensive line, diva, defensive line matchups to target and avoid will be up Friday morning. Um, but yeah, other than that, enjoy Thursday night football, everybody. It should be a good one this week. No need to find alternative watch options this time. I hope. <laughs> um, so good luck in week 11 and until next time, peace out.